Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of The Jay Davis Show. Today, we have Jeff Young with us. He's the Executive Vice President at Yesco Custom Electric Signs. Thanks for coming on the show, Jeff. Oh, thank you so much, Jay. Appreciate it. Well, can you give everyone a little background, a little bio on both you and Yesco for anyone who doesn't uh, know or remember when they've seen it on the highway? Because I have. I know what you guys do, but maybe people forget. Well, people don't think about signs enough. You know, until, until they go away, right? So yeah. let me start with a company. Uh, my grandfather was an immigrant, 1910. He was 15, uh, came from England. Uh, they had nothing. Uh, his father was a coal miner, and they, they didn't even own their home. In fact, his grandparents, when they said goodbye, they ended up getting buried, no headstones. I mean, they, the family was just dirt poor. Got here. They didn't have a place to live. They, they roomed with a family. And my grandfather quit school at 15. And he loved to draw. He was an artist. And so he started a hand lettering business with a loan from his father. And his mother is purportedly told his dad, don't loan him the money. He'll never pay you back. <laughs> so, with, with a loan from, yeah, there you go. With a loan from his dad, he started doing show cards for the silent movies, coffin plates. He started uh, a hand, hand lettering on glass and he perfected his skill with gold letter, uh, gold leaf. And then he hired some people around him. This was the Roaring Twenties. This is 1920. Was the founding? Yeah. Thank goodness. And uh, sure, shooting that he got a license for neon in 1927, which became the rage. He was traveling everywhere. Started selling signs in the late 20s. Early 30s was the first documented sign he sold in Las Vegas. And then we've just been selling signs ever since. And anything you can think of, from the smallest little set of, of letters on the side of a building to a giant replay screen at the University of Utah some of the biggest screens in the world in Las Vegas, down to the little tiniest uh, office identifiers. Um, uh, there's a, a large company in Northern California that makes cell phones, and we're under non-disclosure, but, <clears throat> but they've got a big, ju juicy headquarters there. Yeah. Uh, rhymes, oh, I've with seen. rhymes with Snapple. Anyway, we did, all, <laughs> we did all of the interior signs for that world headquarters, and they're all pretty much small. So anything big or small, we'll do it. So that's the company. We're, um, we're a billboard company as well. Uh, we have a service business, so we manufacture mostly. We have a service business. We have a billboard business. We have a financing business, and we love building signs for anybody that wants one. It's amazing. Well, you're that's. I'm so glad you did that background because you guys do way more stuff than I even knew, and we're in your backyard. So uh, it's always fun to hear that, and uh, I think it says a lot about what kind of company you guys are that you just get out there and get it done and. Uh, in some ways fly under the radar a little bit on how big your, your reach is. So that's amazing. I, I love it. And what about you? How uh, have you always been at Yesco? Uh, what, what's been some of the different things you've done there? Right. My dad, he was we in the car. He said, I'm, we're not going to buy your clothes anymore. My, your mom and I are not going to pay for your clothes. I was 15 and a half. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I need a job. And that's really how my career started. And he didn't ever, he never pushed us to get into the, into the, into the business, but I've always loved signs. I loved what my dad did. I love what my grandfather did. So my brothers and I, I've got two brothers and we jumped in uh, head over heels. I've, I've been, you know, I've been here pretty much my whole life. I have a, a little bit of time away for church mission. I took one other, uh, one year leave of absence outside of that. It's just been here the whole time. And I've just worked my way up. I've done wiring. I've done install. I've done administrative work. I've done contract admin, sales manager job, regional manager job, marketing, sales. 
And then I'm as part of the family, our stock is in a trust. And so the control of the company, my brothers and I control the stock of the company. And so we're trustees. And so we're doing all the rest of the things you need to do to run a very, uh, you know, a, a sizable business. We're 1800 some odd people, 110 locations. It's amazing. Uh, I'm sure it was fun to be compared to, to grandpa. Like, <laughs> well, when grandpa was 15, you're like, yeah, I know. Take it easy, dad. <laughs> He, the dark, the guy, uh, we found a phone book from 1932 for the state of Nevada. Now you have to think what was going on in Nevada in 1932? Not much. They just started building the dam. There was a check mark pretty much by the name of every business in the entire state of Nevada. So you say, okay, well, you know what? Okay. Well, he, he, he was not sitting in an office brainstorming. He would, yeah, he was out grinding. He was, and people loved him, and he was very creative, and so we've tried to do what we can to live up to his his legacy and and his hard work. He worked hard and long, yeah, long long career, yeah. Man, I love that. That is such a cool story. I, funny enough, I was talking to an entrepreneur yesterday who was asking for some advice, and uh, he's he's just getting started, and he was kind of asking me like, you know, should I keep doing this? Is this even? I don't even know if it's you know it's making money, but is it? A business that will ever provide for me, for my, for a family in the future. He's he's a younger guy who just graduated, and and I was like, man, what's funny is it's so hard to know because I think good ideas always kind of look like good ideas. Most people see them, they're like, oh, that's a good idea. Great ideas and bad ideas almost look the exact same, <laughs> uh, and it takes a minute to figure out which one it is. And I that's what I told him, like, you don't know, like, you just gotta work and just keep. If you're already making money three months in, like you never know where this could take you. And so I, I think your your grandpa's story is a huge testament of like he got good at something and just worked his butt off and uh, <laughs> look where it is now. I'm sure. Well, one story. Sorry, Jay. One story that comes to mind and the failures seem like great. great I just seem like close. We were uh, we did a bunch of work for the games. You know, Olympics are in the news right now, including the rings on the hill. Those that were around know that on the mount mountainside, the rings got lit up. Well, that was functionally our project. We airlifted with the National Guard uh, generators up on the hill. Um, that whole that whole network, the way we designed that, really was phenomenal. And we only out or allowed one test in the middle of the night, like two forty five a.m. for 15, 20 minutes. This was the first generation of compact fluorescent bulbs, which are everywhere now, but they were a little curly cube, not a regular yeah. standard light bulb. And in 20 minutes, we had 25% failure of bulbs. <laughs> and there was thousands of these things. Yeah. So, of course, it was all hands on deck to go up and change all the light bulbs out. We're like, okay, is this really going to work? My friend and I, who'd been working closely on the project, we were the ones that actually pushed the button to light up the rings for the games literally billions watching right and we're like we hope this works <laughs> luckily they came on they did work we had a few failures we just had a bad batch we we're able to keep that thing lit for the games and i'm trying to remember a time when that many people were looking on something that we had done yeah and when the pressure's on you think okay is this worth it is you know is, is this gonna work <laughs> luckily that for us it did it's lucky crazy luckily that's amazing. What a great story. Uh, well, what's some of the, I think this is a, a great question for you, uh, obviously, but I think also for a lot of listeners, 
what have you learned about working with your family? Uh, I think so many people get into business with family, friends, uh, and it can have amazing, I've talked to people who are like, it's been the best thing we've ever did, changed our lives. I wouldn't do it any differently. You also hear the, the opposite side of like, ah, it, you know, it was really tough or caused rifts or whatever. What have you learned about working with family uh, through this process? Sure. And I'm going to, I'm going to just say the way it is. My grandfather, um, he only had one son. My dad was the only guy in, in his family of six kids had interest in the company. He gave the control of the company to my father and didn't tell his kids and he passed away. And it was, uh, it was bad. Uh, a couple of my dad's siblings never talked to their mother again, bad. And so in terms of like, they all had expectations. They were going to get a payout from the company. My dad's like, no, we got customers and employees. It's not about you. It's about them. So we didn't sell the company. It was just hard feelings. We decided to put the stock of the company into a trust. And so none of us own it, which means we're not cashing out. So yeah. I'm not against anyone cashing out. Of course, it's a wonderful thing. In our case, we're stewards, not owners. And the idea is we work for retirement. We don't, the company doesn't work for us. We work for the company. And that's a, a really important facet in, in terms of, of, of how people relate to us as owners. Uh, yeah, because, yeah. And because we don't, the, the rifts that could exist between family members, which common exist around greed and monetary issues, uh, really kind of throw their way into the mix. We, we, I don't say we don't have that. I'm just saying it's not prevalent part of our, our ethic here. Yeah. And so if, and I read a great article years ago, if, if, if consolidation of power or building of wealth is your primary concern, your company's destined to fail. And so we've tried to set that aside. And then the second principle would be that we want to do what we love doing. My brothers and I are each different. We also have fourth generation involved in the company now, and we've been able to divide duties, luckily for us, in the areas that we have most interest. And that means my brother, Paul, Loves what he does every day. I love what I do every day. We benefit from his skills and aptitudes. And my other brother, Mike, similar thing. He's got his own best thing that he does. And so we support each other and help each other. And we take advantage of the strengths of each of our personalities. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's such great advice. And uh, I think that's such a, an important thing to just in general, in entrepreneurship, not even specific to working with family is uh, my my secret hack on investing is anytime someone comes and is like, hey, I got this idea and we're going to be billionaires. I'm like, this is going to fail <laughs> um, for sure. Like it will not work. It's not going to happen. Anytime someone comes to me is like, look, I am so passionate about solving this problem and and how it affects our our customers and our employees and you know, this is why I care about solving this problem for the world. And I think it'll impact human beings in a positive way. I'm like, okay, that's the person I want to get behind. Uh, because that person, the money is like, if you want money, being an entrepreneur or running your own company is about the dumbest way to try and get money. I mean, it is just like, it's, that's, can't be it. Cause there's too many times where it's, you gotta, you gotta have the passion and dig deep. And so, uh, I think that that's just a common uh, experience. And so uh, it sounds like, uh, and, and you're not the first person I've talked to on this podcast who's kind of had that exact same, like they've arrived at that same conclusion, I think, because it's just a, it's a, it's a eternal truth that we, we can't avoid. Yeah. The story that my father, uh, and 
has kicked around all these years is Aesop's fable of the golden goose. And I'm not going to go into it, but you got to take care of the goose because it's laying the golden eggs. And there's plenty of golden eggs to have. There are. But you got to take care of the goose. If you, if you kill the goose, it's just to, to, to no one's value. And we see that happen a lot. You starve the goose. You yell at the goose. You try to get more out of the goose the goose can give. And it just it doesn't serve anyone's needs. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, what uh, I was also going to ask, where'd you, where was your one-year leave of absence? Well, I mission in Osaka. And okay. after, after my college, my wife, we got married. She had no clue about Japan. And I'm like, well, I'm graduating. I'm getting in my career. I saw an article in the University of Utah Chronicle. And they were paying 3.6 million yen. That's a lot of yen. Uh, <laughs> to, to teach English. And I'm like, well, let me think about that. So I took the job and I earned 3.6 million yen. Imagine that. And uh, she went with me and we lived in Japan for a year. I taught in, they've got a program where... Uh, college graduates can go into the public education system and teach alongside an English teacher who's Japanese, but they're teaching English in class, right? And so we got assigned to a small town outside of Nagoya, and we lived there for a year. And my wife had a chance to, you know, appreciate the culture and learn a little Japanese. And for me, it was just a blast because I got a whole nother year. I had two years of Japanese. No one was really speaking English to me. This was junior high English. <laughs> you know, this is a pen, you know, see Sam run. Um, uh, my language, you know, after that, that third year really made a big difference for my language training. Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. Um, I've always loved, and actually you can see some of this in, in the PillarCube branding. Uh, but I mean, the original idea for PillarCube actually came from my childhood friend who was Japanese. Oh, fun. Uh, and we've, we've infused a lot of that as much as we can. We've tried to infuse a lot of Japanese culture into our brand and, uh, in our office, we have pillow cube in Japanese kind of all over the place. So, um, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, we love, we love Japan. We love the Japanese people. Yeah. They're, they're amazing people. Um, it's super fun just seeing our, our, our COO and president is actually Japanese. And so, uh, we've, we've tried to infuse as much as we can. That's really fun. Um, so what's, what's next for Yesco and for you? Uh, any interesting things you guys are working on or new endeavors you're trying to tackle that uh, are providing some fun challenges and learnings uh, in your career? Definitely. Let me let me mention those. When the big recession hit, 30% revenue drop. It was horrible. I mean, we were we were constrained by all the reasons. We had a, a, a consolidation and a retooling, and and it was really there were some scary meetings. There were some scary. In fact, this building I'm in now. Um, we got, if my dad hadn't said, no, we're not selling this building, this building would have been gone. We just sell, sold this too. So we were able to, uh, what happened in the process is our regular manufacturing business dropped way off, but our service business and our billboard business were very resilient. So we've doubled, tripled down on our service business and there's no nationwide network of signed service anywhere. We're it basically. We started a franchise model. Um, we base it on car, you know, we took the carpet cleaning business. Yeah. You think of the van, okay? Think of you know, think of the couple, think of the two guys in the van cleaning your carpets. Just put just put a 45-foot ladder truck and a lamp bin and roll that out and same idea. So we have uh, we've created a very robust patrol system, uh, relatively high-tech app, database, uh, billing system that sign companies, mostly sign companies in other areas of the country who are operating their own sign business, can button on our service business on top of it. Yeah. 
and flourish. So in the last 11 years, roughly, we've added about 750 employees uh, to our, their, mind you, they're franchisees, okay? So we want to make sure they're uh, and open 80 offices. And that business has rolled up. We're doing, uh, I think we're doing just over 40 million this year in service in our franchise network. And then our service business is just over 50. So last year in 2022, we crossed over the $100 million mark in sign service in, in uh, North America. No Mexico, but Canada and, um, and the U.S. So that for us has been remarkable to see that all come together and very entrepreneurial. Uh, we have a fourth, a fourth generation. He's my nephew. His name is Josh. And he had a really strong entrepreneurial uh, mindset about him. We said, okay, Josh, here it is. Go after it. You know, we supported him every way, went to all the meetings and he really has done it. He, he's, he did a wonderful job. He, we've moved him now to a different position. We have someone else covering franchise now, but it's just been, it's been phenomenal. The second thing, this whole digital, you know, you, th- you say digital advertising, people are like, yeah, I had that class in college. Okay. Digital. Yeah. It's all going online. No, newspaper, rough, you know, rough magazines, TV, radio, difficult right now. Right. It's all gone online. Well, for us, digital is, is digital billboards and digital screens. And in many places of the country, third-party advertising, you know, billboard advertising in big scale has really come to be. Uh, the most remarkable of which is the sphere. So yeah. we, we've just completed the sphere. We are an integrator alongside a lot of other contractors. There was an electrical contractor. There was a steel company. Uh, we hired a repelling company. So we worked with a, a lot of other folks. But our role was to take customer-supplied LED system, wrap it around the outside of that building. That's 580,000 square feet. We think it's the biggest screen in the world. If you've seen it, and we didn't work on the inside at all, go to a U2 concert. Awesome. But yeah. the outside is, uh, is remarkable, and we were so honored to be part of that project. And it looks beautiful. And so they're charging, speaking of digital marketing, they're charging, I think, $450,000 a day. Uh, nearly $700,000 a week to advertise on the outside of that building. I mean, if that doesn't blow your mind. And so, and once they've done, you know, now that they have done what they've done, it's giving creative license to people all over the world saying, well, hold on a second. These big screens and all their forms, it can mean a lot for us. You know, I, I sit at, you know, for instance, I'm a university of Utah grad. I'm sitting in those football games and I, I'm a level kind of sign, but all I love is watching everyone else in the arena, in the stadium. As soon as there's a play, everybody looks at that sign, right? Yeah. Everybody looks at it. And I'm like, okay, this has absolutely transformed the way that we interact with sports and similarly how we interact with brands and messaging. So we're, we're bringing screens big and small, tall and big, teeny tiny to the, to, to, to mega mama. <laughs> we're bringing screens to the world. And the billboard, even in the billboard business, it's absolutely compelling. You know, people just that my friends who call, they don't even want a traditional. We have them, we sell them, but people want digital because you can change the ad morning, morning, noon, and night. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, we need to come up with some crazy uh, pillow cube ads uh, for for digital billboards. I've already, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. I should, uh, uh, we should think of something fun to do. So that's awesome. No, this fear is. Man, it's wild. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. I was trying to remember. I was like, I had a friend who just went to the U2 concert. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I just remember them posting about that. So 
It blow, it's going to blow your mind when you finally go in. Like, again, we didn't work on the inside at all, but the experience is, it's, it's, you can't even, you, you can't even describe it. That's, I was, I was there, what, three and a half weeks ago for my first, uh, my first volley inside. It was amazing. Yeah. Everyone says when you kind of see it for the first time, it is like your mind almost can't comprehend it's real because um, it's so big and it's just so like, where is that coming from? So. Yeah, Elon Musk said uh, a series of weeks ago, he said that's probably the best entertainment in the world right now. That's what Elon yeah. said. So you know, take Elon for who he is and what he is. You know, it's like, okay, Elon says he's, so, so that's he's, cool. He's seen some stuff. <laughs> and I think Bono said on his – well, I think Bono said too. Bono said you're going to have a hard time getting us out of here is what Bono said. So he knows his yeah. stuff too. Yeah. Dude, that's, that is so fun. Well, I need to go down there and see it and go to – go to something in it. So, so my last question that I wanted to ask you is for a brand that maybe is struggling to make, I think we have tons of D2C companies, uh, a lot of people who have really kind of come up on maybe the influencer game uh, in Instagram. Now they're expanding, growing. Um, what would be your advice on how to enter the billboard uh, space and start thinking about expanding beyond just social uh, or just connected TV or whatever they're doing currently and starting to expand into uh, into billboard and digital billboard and all the things that you guys do? Yeah, I think the thing I'll offer is this. Uh, unlike the past 20, 30 years ago, we subscribe to Geopath, which is our billboard industry technology platform that allows us to know the demographics of everyone who's driving by. It's big data. You know, we're getting it from the from the cell phone companies. And so we can literally sit in front of someone, you know, we had, we were doing a, a like a, like a, 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 you know, service ad, you know, a free ad for a veterans group. And we're like, where do you want to go? And they said, where do you suggest we go? I said, well, let's pick the billboard in Utah that has the most veterans driving past. And they're like, huh? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can actually tell you which billboard has the most veterans driving past it. So in terms of technology and knowledge behind and creating the ROI and the value behind digital, now because we know the passersby like we've never had before, it's really put the off-premise billboard industry on uh, it's the, the demand is is unbelievable because there's such a squeeze on all the other media outside of digital you know, online, um, the spend coming our way is nuts and our customers can hardly, it's, it keeps them breathless because we will commonly have backup contracts for space. It's like, well, what do you mean you're escalating? It's like, well, we got a lineup, people waiting to get on. So, uh, and the space has also been dialed down where you don't have to, unlike before we'd sell them for a year at a time because we had to paint them and post them. Now you can buy little segments. So it's been it's been broken down now where it doesn't cost as much as you might think and the impact can be pretty dramatic. So it's amazing. That, yeah, it is. It's a it's a great media and it's not going away. I mean, we have our issues with state city, that kind of thing and conversion into digital, which we'd like to do a lot more. A lot of cities are don't like that part of ours, but our customers love it. Every time we can get a digital, they just like put us on now. We just we yeah. love that. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, we'll have to do some fun tests with Pillow Cube and, and report back to everyone on, on what we saw. So fun. We'd love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on uh, and sharing with, with all of us your, your experiences and 
uh, your stories. It was super fun to, to meet you and learn from you. Thanks, Jay. We're honored to be considered for this podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot.